I'm so glad you've taken time out of your day to join us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. ClarkDeals.com is where you find the bargains. Coming up in a half hour, people aren't going to lunch as much as they used to. Let me tell you what that does for your finances long term. If you take lunch with you instead of going out to eat, it's a stunner. That's in just 30 minutes. Talk right now about the cost of housing in the United States and a lot of places is out of control, although it rides a wave up and down of how much income you need to be able to afford a house. And the differences from place to place in America and how many hours work you have to have or what percent of your income you have to have available to buy housing is so different from place to place. It's not even like we're talking about the same country when you look at the differences. So there's a study done by Zillow of the 35 largest housing markets in the United States. And then taking what a mortgage would cost you for that in Los Angeles, it's just a whisker below half of your income for the median person for the mortgage payment each month. And that was the highest in the United States. But California cities, other than Los Angeles, were not so great either. San Francisco and San Jose, 40 cents out of every dollar of income for the average income earner was required just to be able to make the mortgage payment. That's before all the other expenses with housing. Now then, listen to this. At the other extreme, in Three Midwestern markets, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Cleveland, it takes 13 cents of the median income to be able to afford a mortgage versus roughly four times that in Los Angeles and three times that in the San Francisco Bay Area. I think about a story that I did several months ago about people who had moved from Silicon Valley to Kansas City. There's a rising, growing tech area in Kansas City. And how much their lifestyle improved when they moved from Silicon Valley to Kansas City with much less traffic, and much lower housing costs, and weather that could not match Silicon Valley. So you can always throw that in. It's funny when you look at those things that compare the what are the best cities to retire in. I saw a chart recently showing how different the lists were from one compiler's list to another to another, all depending on what factor they weigh the highest. And when they weigh medical access highest, 
there are certain cities that come in best to retire in. When they weigh housing costs, other cities come in. When they weigh weather, other cities come in. There is no perfect place. Maybe a perfect place you found for you, but overall, there are no perfect places. There are always a certain number of trade-offs, including taxes. But if you look at overall around the country, those numbers don't help you on housing costs because all real estate is local. It's something I'd like you to think about if you're offered, let's say, a promotion, or you're offered a transfer, or there's a new job possibility for you somewhere else, you really need to think through what's it going to cost to live there versus where you are now so you know are you going to see your lifestyle improve or decline. I told a story recently about an item I saw in MarketWatch about Wall Streeters who moved from New York City to Jacksonville, Florida. And Jacksonville has become a big back office area for banks and brokerages. And that people could move to Jacksonville, take a 30% pay cut, and live a much better life in terms of lifestyle in Jacksonville than they could in New York City. And there are stories like that all over America. Joe joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Joe. Hi. Hello. Good afternoon, Clark. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Joe, uh, there's something that is annoying you about your phone. Right, right. Well, I had, I had um, years ago, on your advice, um, signed on to the, um, I believe it's the official national do not call list. Do not um, call.gov. Yes, exactly. And I, I, if my memory serves me correctly, I did have to renew that. I had to go on, you know, it was, a, it was good for a couple of years, and then it was going to, you know, you had to go. And I did that a couple of times, as I remember. And I did that for the whole family, you know, everybody's mobile, everybody's on the landline and whatever. And it worked great for years. And then just, when I say the last sort of six months, I'm just getting loads and loads of them. Right. And the... Um, the sort of the straw that broke the camel's back was one of those crank IRS calls, you know, earlier in the year. Yeah. And those guys are abusive, you know, to you on the phone. I thought, I've got a, you know, on my, on my mobile phone, I block it. But, you know, if I see that, in fact, I missed your call today because it came up as anonymous and I was on my other line and I wouldn't have answered it anyway because it said anonymous. And you <laughs> shouldn't. What I do. You I shouldn't. That's what's great about us being able to leave a voicemail. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that's my question. Is, is there something you could... Oh, sorry. So I did go back on to the site, and it quite clearly tells you that if you are already, already registered, that um, you can't... You know, there's, there's nothing to do. It's yeah, you don't have to... You had mentioned re-registering. You don't have mm-hmm. to... You, once you register at donotcall.gov, it's forever, unless mm-hmm. you decide to... Nobody would ever take their number off of it, but... Right. You, but the thing is, it doesn't work anymore for an unusual reason. Oh. And you well, mentioned the scam artist calling about the fake IRS calls. Mm-hmm. So what's happened is that unsolicited calls have basically been taken over by criminals. Mm. And so a lot of the 
calls you're getting from people that aren't respecting and aren't following do not call right. are calling from outside the United States. Right. There's new technology that allows people from anywhere in the world to place calls to the United States at no cost, or if there is a cost, it's a it's t- several zeros out to a fraction of a penny. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you're dealing with lowlifes who don't care what the laws are of our country. Right. And so if you get a call from a solicitor of some kind and you know you've registered donotcall.gov, you say, uh, thank you very much, don't hang up, or do mm-hmm. what you do, what you said you did earlier. If you don't recognize a call or if it comes up private or anonymous, you don't answer it. Right. I yeah. never answer, never answer a call if I don't know who's calling me. Right, that's a good, yeah, well, that is it, yeah. And you just, uh, some of them, they're very clever, as you say, and they do sometimes appear as a legitimate number. Maybe it's something you think it's from your car company or something, or, you know, you just, on the off chance, and then um, you just, you know, I do, don't talk to them very long and do hang up, but it just seems to be um, so many. We get so many. And on oh, and they've accelerated. They've accelerated exponentially. Because mm-hmm. if you think mm-hmm. about if the technology exists where these machines can call continuously at essentially no cost, mm-hmm. and I'm a scammer, I don't need that many people to exactly. say yes for mm-hmm. me to make a good living. And so that's why the number of calls has escalated so much. So your strategy of just don't answer is the right thing to do. And the best thing to do right now, till we come up with a new technology that will allow you to block them, like Nomo Robo is an example of that, that won a federal contest. Nomo, N-O-M-O, Robo, R-O-B-O, is a technology that might help you. And T-Mobile has a technology now that alerts you when a call comes in that if it knows it's from a scam number, it will let you know reported as likely scam, and then you automatically know to ignore that call. Mark is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Sure, Mark. You want to talk about Prosper and Lending Club. Yeah, so this is kind of a follow-up. You had given me the thumbs up on not buying a car with cash, putting that money into a lending club, and uh, paying 1.9% interest with the uh, credit union and trying to make 5 to 6% on my money uh, with the peer-to-peer lender. I remember your call. We were talking about right. the whole concept of arbitrage where you, right. where you take on a very low interest rate loan, take on a moderate amount of risk for right. the potential for uh, three times the return. Right, and so I I did that with a, with just a, with a thousand dollars. I let it uh, go by itself for a day. I got uh, you know five hundred dollars of it invested. I looked at one of the listings, the, uh, the details, and it was a guy that made somewhere near a hundred thousand that only had five thousand dollars in debt, but he only had five thousand dollars of credit as well. So his rating was very poor. Uh, and it was a really good rate of return with only 5% of his money um, being, um, you know, uh, 
on loan. So I thought maybe this is a guy that doesn't listen to Clark Howard. He doesn't know he should have more credit cards and to get a better rating. That's funny. And so I was wondering, and now this is kind of narcissistic for me to say, do, but I was thinking that I might be able to have a better uh, reading on, on some of these loans than, than maybe the credit union. So am I... Do I have all the information I need? Because I changed my 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 um, filter to only invest in people with 10% or less debt to equity ratio, and 50% or more um, of their credit used credit utilization used to get. But that could be risky if I don't actually know what I'm doing. So well, you, so I am doing strictly automated, where I told them what risk profile I was willing to take, and they're picking. Right. the people I'm lending to. The people right. who get the best returns do what you're doing. Okay. They keep they keep testing it, trying it, trying to find the right profile of risk that you're comfortable with and steadily refine their ability to avoid as much bad debt write-off as possible and get a higher return. I just signed into my lending club account and immediately what popped up, uh, you know, a pop-up took over the screen and said, one or more of your notes is 16 to 30 days late. Mm. And it goes through to talk about what it's going to do to my returns and all that. And so even doing the automated thing, I have some risk. And so right now, I have so far an adjusted return of 10.49%. Right. And that's going to come way down is I have more and more bad debt write-offs. Right. But it's still going to be a great return compared to what I could earn anywhere else with a slight amount of risk. But I love that you're taking the time to slice and dice and experiment and build a portfolio one loan at a time that you feel comfortable with. Keep doing that. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com slash ask. And Joel asked the question for you. Yeah, I'll ask one for Alberto right now. He said, what is the minimum number of credit cards you should have? I currently have two. That is the minimum number. I call it the Noah's Ark rule. You always want to have two cards from two different issuers. I should point that out. A lot of people will have two credit cards from the same financial institution. You don't want to do that because if they ever decide they don't like you, you go from two cards to zero in the same instant. So you want to have cards from two different financial institutions and two is a key number because that way if one does bail on you, you still have the other. All right, Jerry wrote in. He says, recently, Clark, you mentioned a company that sells hearing aids for about three or $400 each. I wear hearing aids. My question, does this company contract with an audiologist to do a hearing test and to calibrate the hearing aids for the particular patient? Okay, what a great question. It is a company called I Hear Medical, the letter I, hear, H-E-A-R, medical.com. And what they do is they have an FDA-approved process for doing a full hearing test on you. They charge $69 for the hearing test. 
They're able to figure out exactly what your hearing issues are in each ear and then able to prescribe what hearing aids you should have and then they sell the hearing aids at an extremely low price compared to market. They are $399, I think, an ear. I think they're only $299 each. Well, even cheaper than I said, $299 each. I thought they were $399. So that's quite a deal for a hearing aid. There's a big fight in Congress about deregulating like has happened most everywhere else in the world and allow people to buy hearing aids in the free market. Don't know where that's going to go here. But the prices would collapse if they did so. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. Are you looking for deals? ClarkDeals.com. I promised you a half hour ago I was going to talk about what lunch does to your wallet. And wow, listen to this. If you give up two lunches a week that eating out that you do now, and you instead bring your own lunch, that the money you save adds up, according to information from Visa, why would they want people not eating out lunch? Anyway, you save the money, invest it, 30 years later, just giving up lunch two days a week, accumulates to approximately $90,000. 90000 You know, truth, reality, the number one thing that affects people that are middle class to upper middle class in terms of accumulating wealth is housing costs. That's the number one. And that's where the big money goes out of our budget. But the truth is, if you look at other things that you spend money on day to day, week to week, that are the expenses you don't think about, because you know, you write that mortgage check every month or your apartment rent, if you have a car payment, your car payment, and those are big numbers, and changes in those have a big impact but you got to have a place to live, right? And much of the country, you got to have something to drive. So it's the other things that can have an outsized impact. And I know all through the Great Recession, everybody was picking on poor Starbucks, saying, you know, if you gave up the latte, you'd have a zillion dollars down the road. And it became trite and trivial. But the reality is that a pinch here, a pinch there, methodically put aside and invested can lead to a huge amount of money over time. You know, you're never going to remember 
the sandwich that you paid whatever for, but down the road, I know you can't eat the $90,000, but it can do a whole lot for you. And that's just an example. Again, just an attention getter of the idea that a little tweak here, a little tweak there can lead to big money later. At Clark.com, in the time leading up to Christmas, we did a thing for New Year's about how a little bit of money saved every day could have this effect over time. This money saved every week could have this effect over time. We did those different scenarios, and it showed me the responses that people had to those. And the number of people who came to them and read them said, you're looking for a way to have that independence. You're looking for a way to have that control. And the, the core and the key to having that happens with little habits that you stick to every day, every week, every month, whatever it is. That's why you hear me so much talk about why I love the retirement plans at work. Because when you put that money aside automatically before you see your check and it goes automatically into a 401k or Roth 401k or whatever, because it's automatic, it builds the habit, it builds the money. And over time, modest amounts of money grow into monstrous amounts of money. As I told you last month, the example of getting a teenager to save a dollar today, that teenager saving that dollar and investing it becomes $20 by the time they retire. Think about that. The magnification of it is so enormous because time is your biggest friend. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mike. Hi, Clark. So we're going to talk 401ks. How perfect. Yeah, I have a couple of questions. I also have a tip for you if you have time. Let's hear the tip um, first. Well, so let me express my gratitude for everything you've done for me and my family's wallet first. Thank um, you very although, much. Uh, Clark Stinks is very entertaining. I think the only thing that stinks about it is that you let people tell you that you stink. No, no, Nina, <laughs> we're, all, we're all works in progress. And if I'm going to serve you, I need to have that channel for people to give feedback and let me know where I've come up short. Well, I just, I, I find that what you do with your time um, to be very selfless. And, um, you know, I think it's, uh, uh, if people don't want to listen, they don't have to listen. But I, 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 like I said, you've done a great, a tremendous amount for me and my family over the years. So I appreciate that. Well, you're kind to say that. Now you said you had a tip though. Yeah. Um, so I, I heard a couple of people call in and, um, and question depositing cash into an online bank. Um, and I have, uh, uh, Charles Schwab, and I don't have a branch near me. So what I do when I have cash is I buy a money order for a dollar, and then I take a mobile uh, picture of it, and I send it by mobile payment. Okay, that's ingenious. You are now an official member of Team Clark because I have never had a good answer to the questions people have had about the cash deposits and, like, Schwab doesn't accept cash and all that, and the online banks don't accept cash. And everybody's got the mobile deposit things. 
That is so smart. Right. It works perfect every time. Thank you for that. So you're welcome. Um, you're now an official my... member of Team Clark, by the way, which means oh, you are you are a Clark Howard University graduate student now. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. Um, so my question is with 401ks is, and I don't know, I've been listening to you for probably 10 years, and I, I've never heard um, an answer to either one of these questions. So the first one is, is um, my employer allows me to put up to 50% um, into my 401k. And I ratchet it up at two percentage points every year, as you suggest. And next year, I'm going to, ha- I'm going to hit the max per year that I can put in. So if I continue to five zero percent of your pay, well, no, no. So I'm, I'm going to hit the max that you're allowed to put oh, in. Oh, okay. Is, got yeah. it. Got it. All right. 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 So after that, if I continue to put in 2%, obviously I'm going to be above that. So I was just curious as to what happens to your weekly deductions once you hit that max amount. So what else should you do to save for your future once you're already saving up to the statutory max you can put in a 401k? Well, not only that, but also like, um, you know, for for me, I get, uh, you know, I have um, right now almost a couple hundred a week taken out of my check. So um, once I hit that point, obviously, um, I'm going to have a couple hundred dollars that I'm guessing is going to come back to me in my paycheck, right? They're not going to continue to deduct it. Right. They're not going to let you do excess contributions. Right. So do you make, are you eligible to do a Roth IRA or do you make too much? Um, No, I can do a Roth. That would be what I would do next. Okay. And I I like that in combination anyway. Okay. Perfect. Because, you know, the 401k you're doing at work is pre-tax dollars, right? You're not in a Roth 401k? um, I've got both. I do both. Oh. Well, then, as far as where I would stash extra cash, I would do the Roth 401k. And uh, does your wife have a retirement plan? Um, She does. She's got a uh, Vermont State retirement plan. So for her... Doing a Roth 401k would be great as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we certainly could do that. Um, so that was my first question. My second question was, was um, you know, if you, if you hit your, I, I do the target retirement fund. So if you hit that target retirement date and you continue to work, how does that rebalance? What a great question. I, you know, I only talk generally about accumulating because that's usually what people want to ask me about. And so the answer to your question is what happens is, let's say your target retirement year is 2040, just for argument's sake. When you hit 2040, if you're still working, what happens is that they continue to manage it as a basically an in-retirement portfolio. So they continually, even past that retirement date, most target retirement funds from that point, we'll still continue to tweak the mix of investments, figuring the average age of retirement would be somewhere around 68 years old. They would then uh, base it on expected lifespan, and the investment mix would keep changing past that time. Okay, that makes sense. So they don't just freeze it in place at that year. Yep, no, that makes perfect sense. I just, I never heard the answer to that question before, so I was curious. Yeah, and that's that's really clever. You are a planner, and I am impressed. And your money order idea, I'm double impressed. Stephen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Stephen, you have a question about being mortgage debt free, is that right? Uh, that's right. Thank you. 
Wow, so we've got back-to-back people who are incredible with money. Well, we're trying. Um, so my wife and I kind of have conflicting ideas as to what would work better here, and we're going to let you be the deciding factor, maybe. Well, no matter um, what, whatever she yeah. says is right, but the answer may yeah. be different. Um, so as I'm keeping track of things, I've kind of reached a point where our retirement savings just about is equal to the our mortgage amount the balance on our house. The temptation is, well, just cash out their retirement savings, understanding there's some penalties and whatever, pay off the mortgage, save all that money on interest. It still has another 20-something years on it. And then just start from scratch. We're saving, obviously being able to save more per month without the mortgage payment. So we're saving the money on the interest, and it would be nice to know that a house is paid off. I know you got to compare the interest rate on the mortgage versus the interest return or the rate of return on the retirement savings, but that's about as much as I can process in my head. So, after I give the answer, then you tell me whose idea this was. Okay. Because the answer is you don't want to do that. You All don't right. want to liquidate your retirement funds, have to pay a 10% federal penalty, plus taxes. If you have a state income tax, you'd have to pay that too. And so, it's such an inefficient hit to your wallet. And you suddenly have no retirement savings. The interest rate on your mortgage likely is very low. What is your current mortgage interest rate, Stephen? Four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. I mean, that is extremely cheap money. And so I would not recommend that course at all. I can tell you, you said you have 20 years left on your mortgage? It's a little over that, but we pay a little extra each month, so it'll actually be... All right, so you played right into my hands here. What I would do with the decline we've had in interest rates recently is refinance that into a 15-year loan. Now, we looked at that. It was about a year ago when I started paying the extra each month, and the idea was the difference in interest in savings over time was not enough to be worth being trapped into having to pay the extra couple hundred bucks a month for the cheaper loan or the shorter loan. So we're sort of just sort of splitting the difference. Paying a little extra to reduce the term, but not being forced to pay that. All right, so one of them you're going to swing for the fences by liquidating all your retirement money (laughs) and go mortgage debt free, and the other you're timid about going from a twenty-something year mortgage to a fifteen. I need you to move past that timidity, refi because you'll get a full interest point or more lower if your credit scores are good. Uh Do the fifteen-year loan, and then if you hit a pinch. Then you'd be in a position where you could do, if you had to, a loan from a retirement account or a withdrawal of a small amount so you could ride a little bit of cash flow thing. But I'd say the best move, keep the mortgage in place through a refi, cut off six years from it or whatever, and keep your retirement plan in place. So who was it who wanted to pay the mortgage off? Well, I'll just say only because I listened to your show, I was already um, in tune with your answer. Okay. That uh, advantage. <laughs> so, so it was actually your wife who wanted to wipe out the retirement account? Yeah, yes. It, yeah. Well, the, in this case, she is mistaken. I won't say she's wrong, but she's mistaken. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? 
Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Lewis is with us on the Clark Howard Show, and you're headed to Greece. Yes, I am. How are you today? I'm doing great, thank you, and I'm sure you're going to be doing so much better than I am when you're in Greece and in the Greek Isles and all that. So how can I help with this trip that I'm already green with envy that you're going on? I need uh, to get euros, one, and then two, how do I a way to communicate back to the United States and we're meeting some family members there, so we need to communicate in Greece also. Oh, okay. All right. So first on the money, you'll want to get euros from an ATM when you land. Are you flying right into Athens? Yes, yes, we are. Yeah, so right in the Athens airport or when you get into town, there'll be plenty of ATMs you can go to and get euros. That is by far the most efficient way to get euros. Don't get them here. Don't get them okay. from an airport money changer, only from an ATM. Okay. you got to inform your credit union or bank that you're going to be using your ATM card overseas okay. so they won't block it thinking it's a fraudulent transaction. Good. And then for the phones, uh, T-Mobile is my go-to when you travel outside the United States. To If your cell phone service is with T-Mobile, it's free to use outside the U.S., no, it's not. But so why should you get maybe like a membership for a couple of months to T-Mobile? People have been doing that, so now they won't let you do that. They won't let you sign up for it, immediately go overseas and start using the service overseas for free. So okay. what I would say instead, do you know if your phone is an unlocked phone that you can put somebody else's SIM card in it? Yes, it is. So when you get to Athens... You can just buy a local SIM card, and all your relatives can do it. They're really cheap, and download when you get there, where you'll have texting to each other right on the phone, and you can download either the app Line, L-A-N-E, or the app Viber, V-I-B-E-R, and you'll be able to communicate with people back in the United States for free off the backbone of the data that you buy on the SIM card you get there. Typically, a SIM card that'll cover, how many weeks are you going to be in Greece? Three. Oh, yeah. So you can buy a one-month SIM card, typically for about 15 euros, and you'll have the ability to communicate both within Greece and back to the U.S. It's actually really, really easy now doing that when you land in most any country in the world. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you tuning in to The Clark Howard Show. And if you'd like more fun stuff to listen to by podcast, well, we have our Empowerment Zone. This is where you get to hear the stories of people that have done amazing things, either in overcoming hardship in their lives 
or things they've done to accomplish, go to clark.com slash empowermentzone. 